You know, we're continuing in our series now and open the eyes of our heart. And what we're trying to do is really look at things and ask from God's perspective, will he help us see those with his eyes? The Bible speaks of that. We shared that scripture as we started. It was open the eyes of our heart, that when our eyes are enlightened at what is said, which means they're open to allow light in, to give us that ability to focus and see things with clarity. It's what we want to do is open our eyes, see things with clarity. The message today, my title on this is, Holy Spirit, help me see, trust, and move with God. That's all I want to do. I want to see, I want to be able to trust, and I want to move with God. The big idea for us today is, is very simple on this for me. God's heart for each of us is to seek, trust, and follow the perfect will of God. Now, let me help you here. I've got about 28 years in vocational ministry. And I've explained to you before that all of you are in full-time ministry. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where you're at. And about 28 years ago, God transitioned me and allowed me the, the privilege of serving in a vocational capacity, right? And in doing so, he, he did some things with me that as we look about this, and that was I talk a lot to people, and I'll just ask them a simple question. Are you in God's will? Let's just say this morning, being here at Summit Church, are you in God's will? I think we would all just go, yes. And then I ask people, are you in God's perfect will, though? There's a lot of hesitation there. And I have people look at me, and they'll go, well, I'm... You know, I'm not sure about that. I said, well, then let me ask you a couple of other questions. Is God perfect? Is he the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow? Is every attribute of God perfect? His love is perfect, right? Everything is perfect with God. So his will is perfect, correct? Does God have an imperfect will? Does God have an average or mediocre will that he just gives to you? And the answer is no, isn't it? See, the real truth of it is God only has one will, and the will he has for us is his perfect will. We're either in his perfect will or we're not. Now, let's understand something. None of us being perfect isn't part of our faith journey that we're on together and individually. We're in this thing. Isn't it really to seek, trust God to be able to follow his perfect will and to know what that is in our life at any given time? And we're going to talk about how God wants that for us too. So we all have just one will to follow, his perfect will. He wants each of us to open the eyes of our hearts so we see that. Now, I want to talk about, people will say, well, Chuck, that's good for some people, but you, 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 you don't know my past, right? And I've shared with you before, God does. Guess what? Do you have any idea how much God loves you? that you're here because of your past, not to tear you down, but to build you up. I mean, we can go into all of this stuff, right? But since none of us are perfect, don't we all have a past of some nature or another that we would say probably wasn't totally pleasing with God, right? Well, maybe not all of you. So I'm taking care of that for a lot of you with my past, all right? But with that, so let's just see, you know, why could we feel that way? When we look at God's word, we start off with Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5, and he says this, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, 
Get this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, I've already told you that I'm one of the crazies that actually believes every single word in this, in, in God's word, the 66 books that he puts into one for me, right, is absolutely the truth. But when God speaks these things, we say, well, he said this to this person, but isn't it meant to also be a lesson for us? Do you think that everything that God said and instructed to Moses, everything he said to Joshua, everything Jesus spoke to the, do you think it was just for a moment for them and the rest of us could ignore it? Or do we realize that everything that God spoke to someone was a teaching moment for all of us? right? And everything Jesus taught for a disciple or he taught when he healed the sick and raised the dead. And so those are lessons for us right now too, aren't they? So when we dive into this word, this one set of scriptures, there's three things that I want you to get out of two verses. And believe me, as I tell you these things, somebody said to me after the first service, well, actually three people, that was just for me. And I said, no, it wasn't. I had a totally different message in mind on Monday because, you know, you try to get ahead of God on these things. And Wednesday night, I was working out a little bit. You can't tell, but you will in the coming months. But that's not funny either, by the way, okay? I'll tell you when it's funny, okay? All right? And, you know, for Jordan and Jesse with Camden back there, don't teach him to laugh at the pastor. I mean, he's just first time in church, okay? Don't teach him to laugh at the pastor, okay? But the idea of this is, I believe these words that we get them for us, and here's what he says. Number one thing he says, before I formed you in the womb, okay, get this, before your mother was pregnant with you, God knew you. Just think about that. Before your mother was pregnant with you, God knew you. And I put in there, intimately, because those are the kinds of things when we use the word know. Remember when Jesus said, get away from me, for I do not know you? He was talking about a relational intimacy there, right? So when we look this, it's the same word that God uses. God already knew you there intimately before you were informed in your mother's womb. So that's the first thing, right? So you were known. Number two, before you were born, okay, while you were, your mother was pregnant with you, It says, God set you apart. He consecrated you. That's what that word consecrate means. Do you know, Amanda, you were consecrated at that time. You were set apart. Each one of you, we can leave. You were consecrated in your mother's womb by God himself who created you and knew you before he even created you in your mother's womb. So he knew you before he created you. He consecrated you then. And then here's what he says. The third thing, I appointed you. He says, I appointed you, which is really when you were born, God appointed you. We use the word there, appointed. It really is like the word ordained. The word ordained is appointed with a mission, right, from someone that was authorized to give you a mission. We've got military folks in here, and we know we've deployed or done things. Someone that gave us the order to go and fly a plane, Mike, was someone who had the authority. 
authority to appoint us, right? We were, and we can use the same word when we were commissioned or given that, we were ordained for that. So there's three things that comes out of this. When your eyes are open, here's what you can see about yourself. Before we get into anything else, this is what you should be able to see about yourself. One, We look at this, God created you for a purpose. He knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. You weren't created by accident or by mistake. God knew you, you were formed with a purpose in mind, okay? Number two things that we know here is, then God set you apart during the time that you were being, you know, created. You were created and now you're formed in your mother's womb. He, he created you. He consecrated you. He set you apart. So he created you for a purpose and he set you apart. And the third thing is, is God's got a mission for you. God didn't just create you and say, well, you know, let's kind of see how they turn out. And then we'll see if I can do anything with them. Let's see how this goes for the first, you know, couple, three years of their marriage or their life or their work and say, well, you know, then I can decide what I can do with them. That's not our God. That's not why you were created. That's not why he knew you before he consecrated, set you apart, ordained you and set you on a path with a mission. God's got a reason for you to be here. You're here today because God's got a purpose for you and a mission for you. Now, before we get to thinking that, well, I just want to tell you, your mission is to serve here in Summit Church. And you see the amazing men and women. And first service, we had a 13-year-old young man, Brandon, on the camera. But he can't do second because he's got to be in his group there. So, But, at, you know, what you're going to find is here... Our passion at Summit Church is to create safe pathways for you to realize who you are, whose you are, and that you're here on purpose with a mission that God has. And it's going to be for all generations, all cultures. That's what God wants for us here, is for you to know that and to own that for yourself. Because if we don't get that right for you, and the reason I say that with so much passion for you is, Some of you have got a mission outside of Summit Church. Most of you do. You really do. Some of you, your mission might be in the workplace. Some of your mission might be at a school for our students. Some of your mission can be just your neighborhood or someone that needs help. See, you've got a mission. Some of your mission can be where you work, and you've got people there that desperately need you. But you're created for that. You're here. You were made for that. I think of that. It's crazy. I've got... You know, the, the movie side and then the biblical side. I, I tell everybody, every person needs a burning bush moment where they meet God and God says, here's why I got you here. Now let's get on with doing my work. I call it also a Rudy moment. If you've ever seen the movie Rudy, I don't know how you could not see it, you know, but if you haven't seen the movie Rudy, I'll bless you anyway, and then we'll go see the movie. But there's that scene where he's about four foot nothing, and he's standing in the tunnel of the very last game of the season, very last game of his eligibility to run out. And this lineman that, you know, says, are you ready to lead us out of this tunnel? He says, I've been ready for this all my life. And you look, I heard him speak and got to meet him up in Lafayette, Indiana one time. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I got to see the Andre Bocelli concert. Just a real gift. But his 12-year-old daughter was there. And he brings her out to sing, and he's got her right there. And by the way, she sang, you know, hallelujah, and just Leonard Cohen, something just absolutely incredible, and the place went nuts. 
But he, before they sang, he says, are you ready for this? And here's a 12-year-old. She looks over and she says, I've been ready for this all my life. So no matter what season you're at in your life, no matter what stage you're at, no matter what your age, your culture, your gender, whatever it is, God's got you here because God's got a mission for you. And this is part of it. And we want to be there to help you prepare for that and engage in that mission. You know, I, I think it would be, I think it'd be wrong of me not to just say as your pastor, and I am the pastor here for this season, we want to do everything we can to put you on that pathway and give you that opportunity to walk in the fullness of your faith, not mine. I don't have enough to get me through most weeks, most days, okay, most hours, the people that know me. So I'm not here to share my faith. I'm here to create a safe place for you to have your own faith that's going to be so big, so great, and so powerful for God's purpose. We're here to also tell you that, you know, it's hard sometimes. It's hard because even as Christians, this idea that you're in a tar tunnel and it's dark and you don't know if the light at the end of it is a train coming at you or a light that gives you hope. And to say, oh, no, we're perfect. You know, as Christians, we never have that problem anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> See, that goes back to that part of my faith that I'm still working on because I do have those moments and I do have those tough times and I do have those times when I've, sometimes all I can do is just lay out before God and say, God, here I am. This is the best I got and I don't even know what to do next, but I know that I need to pause in that. And we've got to have that. And you look at the children of Israel. Let's go back to what God told them, you know, even in the wilderness there. In Exodus 13, verses 20 through 22, here's what God said to them. As they moved from Succoth to the encamp that Etham on the edge of the wilderness, on the edge, they weren't there yet. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And then it goes on to say, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night did not depart from before the people. Okay, now let's get this. Again, I believe that this is test, this is teaching for us. Because later God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is a perfect example of a visible sign of God that says visibly his presence was before them both day and night. And it was very simple that when the cloud moved, God expected them to move with them, okay, and expected his people to move. Now, let me just tell you something here. God wants us to move in the same way when he's moving, and it's important that when we move, it's not with a grumbling, murmuring spirit, okay? Not that any of you would do that. That, again, I'll limit to me. You know, where you move, and it goes back. Do you remember the story of Franklin Graham sitting there, mother telling him to pick up the fork, pick up the fork, and finally he does? And he said, well, I'm picking it up on the outside, but I'm not picking it up on the inside. That's a funny story, unless for the fact that it had been me at times when I told God, well, I'm doing it. What more can you expect of me? I mean, you ever have that? Well, no, you don't. But listen to me. It exists where God says, do this, do this. And it's not a happy place for you to do what God's telling you to do. Go ask this person for forgiveness. Go ask this person and apologize. Go do this. Go help this person you don't even like. And God would have you help them. What's up with that? Seriously? But you see, you go through all of this stuff. So 
God's calling us not to be his people that do this in such a way that on the inside we're not really doing it, but on the outside for the visible look, oh, look, everybody, I'm doing what I was told to do. I'm being obedient. I'm right there with him. You know what I'm saying? That's not what God's asking for us here. And then he goes on here that really what he's saying is whether it's a pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, whatever, seeking, finding, following, and having absolute trust in his perfect will can be the toughest part of our lives. This idea that we desperately seeking God's will, finding it, following it. But here's the issue. It's really a trust issue, isn't it? It's really about, I can do all of these things that God's called me to do. Well, what's keeping you? Oh, I just can't. And you can't really say that out loud as a good Christian, can you? It's hard to say, I just don't trust God. You know, I, I can do it. It feels okay, but I don't really trust God that the person he's leading me to or the thing he's calling me to do, that, that really, I can't see that one working out. Trust me on this, right? And you go through all of this, marriages break up every day. And it's not a question of love, breaking them up. When they do interviews with them, that's what makes it so difficult is they still love desperately. But then why do they break up? Because something happens that breaks down the trust that they had in that other person for the role that they thought they had been given in their life. That's what it amounts to, isn't it? When the trust is broken, that's what separates. It's not one of these where, and I know we have some people that wake up and say, yeah, I just woke up today and I just don't love that person anymore. Okay? Um, if that's a guy, then there ought to be legal things we can do to physically hurt them, but that's another issue. <laughs> you can laugh at that because my wife says I can't say those things, but no, I, I really can. I can say those, that when a guy does that to a young lady, to his wife, to that, there should be something the Bible gives us. And I'm thinking Paul was a warrior, you know, he was a soldier. There ought to be something we could do to really physically hurt that kind of a guy, but let that go. None of them are here today, so we're in great shape. All right, we got that, right? But that issue is trust. And we say, okay, so here's the issue. Again, we've got the people coming out of Israel, the Israelites, 400 years there. You know, all of this stuff happens. But when they come out, what happens to them? Before they even get to the, you know, they're not even to the wilderness yet. They're supposed to be going to the promised land. And what there. So again, in the scripture in Exodus 14, 10 through 12, here's what happens. When Pharaoh drew near, okay, so let me just say, when bad things start to happen, right, that you didn't expect God would let happen. Isn't that what we're saying here? So they're out there. They're following Moses. Everything's great. But then all of a sudden, the Pharaoh has a change of heart, and he takes his entire army, and he's coming after the Israelites. So it starts off, when the Pharaoh drew near, when bad things started to happen that you didn't think God would let happen in your life. The people of Israel lifted up their eyes and beheld the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared them greatly. goes on to tell us this. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to just die in the wilderness now? And he said, But what you have done to us bringing us out of Egypt. Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the, the Egyptians as their slaves, right? 
For it would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's quite a statement, isn't it? I think there's times in all of our lives that we look at this and we feel like we're on the right path, right? And then all of a sudden we see the danger coming. We see the bad things happening. And we have this tendency. And look, I I need to tell you as I'm saying these things, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. We're in our humanness that we are all in a journey, and the biggest part of that journey is day by day by day trusting God more than anything else, because when we trust God, we'll act. When we don't trust God, we'll sit back. So for you to be in a position, any one of you here, that is struggling with something like that, that doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you just like me, only better. Do you understand? Because that's a world I live in at times that I struggle with and I'm growing my faith in and I want to get stronger in. And I've been at it a long time and I just have to keep going. So he says that to him and what happens next is, is that, you know, here's what God tells him. In verses 13 and 14, God tells Moses, and Moses said to the people, you ready? Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Pause there. How many times I've read this and read some of the other stuff? And there's very few times God says, your salvation. It's his salvation he's giving to you. Stand firm. Don't worry about this. I know it's going to be hard. Fear not, stand firm. And then he says, and see the salvation and the power of Almighty God. And here's what he says, and he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. Now that word silent there, (laughs) that's one of those words there that people say, I just need to be silent. Fine. You know, it's like you tell your kids, zip it. Inside they haven't zipped it, have they? Inside, there's still a lot of turmoil going on. And at one say, there's a lot of words in my head, and all of them aren't nice. But my mouth is zipped. You understand? That's not what God is saying there. God is saying that in this process, be silent. Be still. Take a deep breath. Breathe in and get ready for what I'm about to do. And that's what he tells them there. And there's very few times, you know, that You know, we know God's ways are much higher than our ways, and we've got this where, you know, people have this idea, and they go, you know, I saw what happened there. When I get to God, I'm going to ask him about that. I always have a great laugh on that one, let me tell you. You know, I don't know what time is even going to be like in heaven. I know for the first, like, bazillion years, whatever a bazillion is, I'd just be on my face and worship, you know, and the thought of me going, you know, when I get to heaven, there's a couple of things me and God are going to have a conversation about, you know, why he did this and why he did this and so forth. And we can kind of walk through that process. And people say that, and I go, you know, do you remember Job? And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, you remember when Job's friends, we talked about this last week, we, when Job's friend says, our lives are great. You need to go talk to God, find out where your life is such a mess, right? And I love it, chapter 38. I keep going back to that because it's like, Job goes to him and says, okay, you know, I, I think we need to talk about this. You know, that's, I'm going to talk to God. He needs to understand this. And God, what does he say? Who is this mortal man that stands before me with these questions? And then he turns to Job and he goes, okay, 
Before you ask me any questions, I've got a couple of questions for you. And then the line of lines. Brace yourself like a man. So I'm going to ask you, brace yourself like a man. And then he goes through the history. You got that? So that whole part that we're going to ask God these things, I don't think that's it. But I think there are times when God does give us, really, he gives us a glimpse. And he does give us some explanation. And sometimes those explanations are not given so we go, oh, God, that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with me. You know, it goes back to the lessons, I believe, for us. I think when God gives us an answer to his why, it's to give us a level of trust and confidence in him for us to use it with others. That's meant to be a part of our testimony to share what God has done in our lives. That's what it's for. It's not for us because when he already tells us this, we got it. We know it, right? But what he's telling us is, is that God can then use us in someone else's life who is struggling and needs that information. And so what happens is, is we go back in Exodus, when, uh, in Exodus 13, 17, God actually explains himself. Isn't this a cool thing? But he says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the land of the Philistines. Although it was near, that it was near translates, it was a much shorter path. You know, let's get through this thing. This is the shortest route. You know, when you do the Google Maps and you go, okay, without tolls, with tolls. I was down and I was staying someplace east of Phoenix seeing my granddaughter. And I stayed in a motel and it was supposed to be about 20, 25 minutes away. And it took me almost an hour and it took me two days before I realized I had Google set up with no highways. Who does that? Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that doesn't work. I'm going through every neighborhood there was to go in there and, you know, locking doors and everything. Going. I mean, this was crazy. But that's how my map was set up. And, you know, you set it up with no tolls, fastest way, least traffic, all of that, least turns, it tells you. So God tells us here, look, there was, a, there was a closer way to go. There was a nearer way. And you can just pause right there and say, well, then, God, seriously, been in captivity for 400 years? Wouldn't have that been a smart move to take us on? But he says this, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now, listen carefully to what God said. Now, when you looked at that, he says, lest the people in their fear, right, change their minds about where I'm taking them, their trust for me, the things that I have for them. They change their minds when they see difficult times, okay? Let me just tell you, gosh, I'm so proud of this church and I'm proud of the leadership, the elders, our staff, the dream team off the doggone charts, right? It would be real easy to say, well, these are just difficult times at Summit. I think we'll let somebody else serve. I think we'll let somebody else lead. I think we need to let, and every single one have just stepped up. And you, you sitting here should know how many people are in this church serving in capacities all around this church so that we can just sit here and have this time with Chuck. You know what I mean? But we've got amazing teams here that did not turn away when things looked difficult because, what's it say here? And this one here, they would go back and just say, it just wasn't worth it. Let's just go back unless they return. 
So here's what our questions are for today. And, and I've, I've got a couple of things that, just to tell you, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example on this. Some of you, some of you have been waiting on God to fulfill promises you know he gave you. Some of you are here today and you said, I knew God said it would be a healing for my children. God said, there are some here that are single today that in their own hearts, they say, it's, it's just been so long and I know God called me to have a family. I just, I mean, literally this past week, met with two people who just said, I, I just know in this season of my life, that's where I'm supposed to be and I don't know why God's not doing that. And I gave them great information. I did. I just answered it, which is what we're supposed to do, right? I said, I don't know either. How cool is that? I mean, you talk about a guy with wisdom. I, I don't know why God hasn't brought you to the place there. I can tell you in my own life. And Billy and I came to, to Colorado in 1994. And, you know, housing was crazy and that. But you come forward and... About four years ago, we'd been renting a house for a long time. Our ministry was located there, and there was just so much. But we knew that the owners were going to be ready to sell the house or do something. And so we started looking four years ago. And it wasn't as bad as it was last year, honestly, or the year and a half kind of thing. But every place we turned, uh, there was nothing in terms of having the ministry or that, when in one place in the HOA, they said it was like $250, but because of where it was, there were actually two of them, it was almost $500 a month. And you add that to it and you go, there's just no way. And we were so discouraged because we knew at any time, it's like you're just living in this moment, that at any time, it could, the, the landlords could say, you know, you got 60 days. And they had every right to. So we went through this, and we kept looking, and we kept looking. And sure enough, it happened. Our landlords called. Amazing people. We had about 20 years with them, and uh, that's how long we'd been in that house. Yeah. They said, we need to talk to you and Billy, and it's better if all four of us are together. Don't you know that's a great sign and a great feeling? Anybody else's hearts just leap and go, this is going to be amazing, right? When this happens, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? Yeah, no, okay, me neither. So they come and they sit down, and it was funny because they sat down there, and I said, okay, before we get started, I know what the problem is. The problem is your taxes have gotten so out of control that you need to donate this house to the ministry for the tax break. They laugh like that too. Yeah, and then he goes, yeah, no, not quite. And uh, they went through and they said, we're at the point that we're selling. They had about 15 houses and they were same age as we are. He's a little older, but he said, you know, we're just selling all the houses and doing townhouses because all I got to do is work on the inside, right? So here we sit. How long is it that we have? That was May 30th, two years ago. Don't ask me how I remember these dates, but it was important. So on May 30th, and we knew it was coming, how long do we have? Well, really, we'd like to have the house back at the first of the year. Well, gosh, that's a lot of months. You know, of course, the market two years ago was perfect for the buyer. I said, okay. And I said, what happens if we buy the house from you? And they looked at us. 
And I said, but here's the problem. This is all we could do. And I gave him a price. You think it was a low price two years ago? You should see what it looks like now compared to what it's worth. He looked at his wife and he reached over and he held her hand for a second. He looked at her. He goes, sure. If that's what you can get, you're the only ones. We'll sell it to you for that. We were pre-approved in 24 hours, approved about 14 days later and closed 30 days later in a house. And you know what the market's done. Now, look, I wish I could tell you that that was a four-year stretch that ended two years. Some of it was agonizing, the thought of moving and where do we go and all of that and just so hard. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know that what the prayers are and the promises that you know God gave you. I, I don't know what those are. The only thing I want to tell you is we have a God you can trust. We have a God we can trust in this. So the real question becomes then how are you going to respond here? Isn't that it? Here's the questions I want to ask you coming out of here. Where are you struggling to trust God? Is it with your kids? Is it with a relationship? Is it your finances? Is it a job? I don't know. But I know this. The real question is not what are you asking God for, but what are you struggling that you're trusting God, that he's actually hearing you, that, he's tr that he, his heart is still inclined, and that he remembers all the things that he said here? Here's another question. Are you demanding God to be more faithful to you before you'll be obedient to him? Are there things in your life that you know God's called you to be obedient in? Whatever that is. But are you really telling God, you need to be more faithful to me? I need to see some things happen here. I need you to do a little bit more than you're doing before I can be obedient to that. I know I will at some point, but God, will you show yourself to me now? and be more faithful to me than it feels like you're being faithful to me right now because that's where I'm struggling, God. I'm struggling to believe you're actually being faithful to me because if you're not, I can't trust a God like that. But are you really struggling, demanding God to be more faithful to you than you'll be obedient to him? Just like the, the one scripture, though, where God did explain why he didn't take him by the Philistines. Are you really waiting for God to explain to you why he's doing some things in your life before you'll trust him more and follow him? Are you asking God? And I had a conversation with a young lady this week and it was about a job. She says, I just need to know why I'm there. And I said, why? Who do you expect to tell you that? I can't. <laughs> you know, it'd be great to have that kind of wisdom. Well, here's the three things that God's got you there for. And he spoke to me personally on this to tell you. I'm sure there's people like that. I'm just not one of them. And my question to her was, and an amazing young lady, amazing young lady, pouring out her heart. I mean, she really is so good. But it was that, can God explain to me why these things are happening? Because it would make it easier for me to make the decisions I need to make. Are you asking God to be more faithful to you? Are you demanding God explain himself to you? Now, here's one that just maybe it should have been at the first are you using other people's bad behavior 
as an excuse for your bad behavior and disobedience? Is your language because it's the language everybody uses at work? I mean, not anybody here. I'm thinking about your neighbors. Are the decisions you're making what everybody else is making? It's their bad behavior. When everybody else changes, I will. You know, in some of this right here, I, I'm thinking of our political spectrum that we're in, culture. I think it's going to get uglier and uglier in the next month. I do. My heart breaks. Are you going to let that let you get uglier and uglier about the politics and the culture of our nation? Are you going to stand firm on the Word of God? Listen, that's a tougher question for me than it is for you because my heart breaks on so much that's happening there. But those are the things, isn't it? The things that we feel at Summit Church is really focusing on a response. And I've... I want to show you something first, not to, for the church. These are out by the door. And these, that because of all the things that this church is doing, it's not, this isn't about you. We want to fill this place up. And let's get numbers in here. I'm not there at all. I don't even know how many show up in the services. I don't ask and I specifically tell them I don't want to know because numbers aren't important to me. You are. You're important to me. If you're watching online, you're important to me. That's what's important to me, not a number. So I don't have any idea, but I know we all have people that need to be invited to a faith journey that's a safe place for them to ask God the tough questions that only God can answer for them. And we want to be that safe place, regardless of your age, your generation, your gender, your culture, your background. That's Summit Church. And that's what our leadership and our elders are striving for and what I want to share with you. So these cards here, they're so easy to pass out. And whether it's faith in blue, they say, well, that's something I would come to. It wouldn't necessarily go to a church, but I'd go to that, right? You have opportunities to share your faith in such a way that you can invite them into finding their own faith. That's what we want to be about, okay? Here's where we're going into the most important time of the service. It is. You know, it'd be nice if I could stand up here and say, well, you know, when you come and hear me, this is the most important part. Give me a break. The response is number one, the worship, and then down below everything else is hearing from me. Okay? I really... So here's our response opportunities. And believe me, this is so important. What's God saying to you and how are you going to respond? The cross is there. You see there are prayer requests there, and I promise you as a pastor, those prayer requests are prayed over, and if you check confidential, you can put them on your connection card or papers there. They will be kept confidential. I promise you that, but I promise you. I lay my hands on those, our team does, and we pray over those. There's also the opportunity for our prayer partners on both sides, amazing people that if you'd like to pray, there are chairs where they'll just sit with you and you can have one-on-one in that private and that's important that you know somebody in this church is joining with you in that time of prayer. There's communion there and you can take it with one of those cups. You can, there are cups with the juice and bread. If you would like one of them to assist you with that process, they're more than happy to do that. Communion is so important. So that's our opportunities. And then you can stand, you can continue worshiping. But I want you to know this church is not standing still. 
This church is moving forward. I said, somebody, we're not just treading water, trying not to drown. Oh, my goodness, no. We're in the race, and we're in it well. And we're going hard at the things of God. And we want to be here for you and your journey and where God has you. So as the music will start after we pray, I want to invite you. Could you ask the question that only God can answer for you and respond any way God leads you to? That's what we're here for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We do love you and we praise you. Father, just an amazing, amazing group of men and women, young, everything that you give us here. My goodness, what a blessing. I pray for everybody here as we go into this time of worship and this time of response. Father, would you give us each the courage to respond as you call us to, whatever that looks like. But Father, our prayer is that every person here would feel you, Father, meet them at their point of need, and they would feel your presence. And Father, we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, and all of God's family said, amen. Thank you.